So this is brought to you by Real Estate IQ. We're number one in deal finding with over 45,000 leads every month. All right, our speaker today, we have Ms. Gaylene Rogers-Lonergan. So Gaylene, I'll let you take it from here. All right, thank you, Becky. And I uh, appreciate uh, Real Estate IQ letting me provide this today. So as you can see from this screen, I've been practicing for a long time, <laughs> 36 years uh, as of now, strictly doing real estate, strictly in the Dallas, Texas, Dallas and Texas arena. I've handled thousands of investor transactions. I'm a Texas native. I've been, I'm from a little town in West Texas of 900 people called Sudan. Uh, you, if any of you follow me on Facebook, you may see me lately. I've been posting a lot of things about Sudan. Um, I went to Texas Tech. I went to Texas Tech undergrad. I went, I also got an MBA from Texas Tech and I finally got my law degree there at Texas Tech. So I am a Red Raider through and through. Um, my firm, the Lonergan Law Firm, I established that in 2000 and um, I'm the owner and managing attorney. I didn't set out to be an investor uh, specialist, but I, within two years of opening my firm, I met, a, met an investor. He asked me if I knew how to do some creative things like subject twos, like assignments. Uh, and I said, of course we do. We did that in the commercial world all the time. So he, we established a relationship and then over the last 20 years, mainly through referrals, my business is practically 75% to deal with investors or service members who deal, service people who deal with investors. And then I am a fee attorney presently with a company called the, the title company. Um, so we close, we handle and close all types of transactions, um, refinances, sales, commercial, residential, the whole thing. And then I am a mom. I have one daughter who's 21 years old and I have two cats and they all keep me very busy. <laughs> Okay, so today's presentation should not be interpreted as legal tax or accounting advice. It's for your information purposes only. Contact your attorney, CPA, or business advisor for advice about your real estate business and related transactions. So today we're going to go over strategies for asset protection and in particular, uh, in this environment that we're in with the COVID-19, which as you have seen from the news is not about to go away, okay? It's here for good um, for uh, the foreseeable future. So we're gonna talk about three different types of strategies, LLCs, series LLCs, and land trusts. So let's start talking about LLCs. Okay, limited liability company is what it's called. And it, uh, what it does is it's an entity that you set up through the Secretary of State and it helps with liability uh, protection from your personal assets. So as this diagram shows, it shows your personal assets 
and then it shows they go, uh, then here's the LLC, and then liability stops for any real estate transaction or other transaction um, at the LLC level. So the pros of an LLC, it's a business structure that it combines pass-through taxation of a partnership or sole proprietorship, but, uh, but um, it has the limited liability of a corporation. So you can pass through your income to an LLC um, just as in a partnership. My LLC, I, I put all of my income and file personal taxes with a Schedule C for my business. Um, it's also flexible. Uh, under some circumstances, you can choose to use corporate tax rules instead of being treated as a partnership, particularly if you are a multi multi-member LLC um, or, or single member, you have the option to choose which way you want to be treated. And then it's well suited for single member owners and piercing this legal concept called piercing the corporate veil is much more difficult, which of course, if you have significant personal assets, anyone that sues you and their attorney are trying to get to your personal assets that's the whole purpose of having an LLC to prevent that. They are trying, they are going to be trying to show that you treated your LLC not as its own separate entity, but as just part of you. And then the attorneys are going to say, well, we should be able to, quote, pierce the corporate veil because Gaylene's not operating it as an LLC. To set it up, you file it with the Secretary of State and it's governed by an operating agreement that you need to, you always need to have an operating agreement, even if you're a single member, um, because banks will be asking you for that, title companies will be asking you for that. Uh, and if you're a multi-member, it's absolutely essential because again, I tell all my clients all the time, paperwork is really not for when things are going great. Paperwork is for when things are not going great and you have to resort to the documents. So you want to make sure that you have an operating agreement set up at the beginning of the creation of the LLC. Now the cons of an LLC are that all, asset, all assets of the LLC are subject to seizure by judgment and other creditors of the LLC, regardless of the nature of the judgment. That's when we're gonna talk about series LLCs. But that is a big downside. If you are a multi-asset uh, owner, particularly a buy and hold owner, and you have multiple assets, they're all available for seizure by judgment creditor if they get a, a judgment against you. Then there's possible, po possible double taxation to the business owners, corporate taxation and personal taxation. Per piercing the corporate veil is still possible even though it's a little more difficult. It can be difficult in obtaining some types of financing. Uh, if you're going for um, conventional mortgage financing, they will not loan to an LLC. You'll have to take those assets out of the LLC to obtain financing. There is also a business margin tax assessed on LLCs, but the threshold is relatively high before taxes. It's a million dollars of gross 
income annually. And you have to file an annual tax return and personal information report with the Comptroller of, current, of, Comptroller of Texas. And if you don't, fairly quickly, they will notify the Secretary of State that you haven't done what you're supposed to do, even if you don't owe any money. They will let them know, and then they will, uh, the Secretary of State, in pretty short order, will uh, forfeit your company's existence. I've had that instance twice now within the last couple of weeks where a client of mine was trying to sell a property and when we did our due diligence to make sure everything was good with their company, lo and behold, it wasn't. And we had to rush and do a, a, a process to get them back in good standing. And when you're not, when you can't deal with people in the comptroller's office and you have to do everything by online or by the phone, believe me, it's a lot more, it's, it's a little more difficult. As far as LLCs, I would recommend, the, uh, as far as your name, don't pick a name that has a conflict with a currently registered LLC. Even though you may want uh, GRL uh, properties, let's say that there is a GRL in investments, you're gonna have a difficulty and you may have to get the consent of the other uh, LLC owner before you can do it. Picking a name is one of the most difficult parts of for the clients of setting up an LLC because everybody wants properties in their name. Everybody wants, you know, we buy houses, uh, that sort of thing. The more unique you can choose a name, the better. Now you can always, if you've got a name that you're not crazy about, you can always file a DBA at the Secretary of State level, not the county level, but the Secretary of State level, and you could operate under a different name. I had a client that I told that I was setting up his LLC, and I said, in no uncertain terms, do not buy any business cards, do any domain names, anything like that, until I have given you absolute confirmation that that name, you're gonna be able to use that name. And of course, they completely ignored me. So when it came up, then that name wasn't available. And so we had to file him a DBA for him so that his already printed business cards, domain names and whatnot would uh, not conflict. You cannot imply a different purpose than you have stated in your articles of organization. That's why you generally wanna be very broad about what your purpose is. Um, you also may want to consider setting up a management layer where you have your LLC, then you have a sub LLC or limited partnership, and then you have your members below that. Again, it's just an asset protection strategy. And then determine your banking strategy. Um, you need to have, you absolutely have to have a separate bank account for the LLC. Uh, you can't be doing checkbook accounting for your LLC. You've got to have books. You've got to have everything uh, operating for the LLC alone, not mixing with your personal business. That will get you 
Uh, that will get a lawyer able to pierce your corporate veil faster than anything. And then you have every uh, LLC in the state of Texas has to have a registered agent. And it has to be a business address, not a PO box. And the reason for that is that the, the main purpose of a registered agent is so that if someone is suing you, they can find you, they can serve you. If it's a PO box, there's no way anybody could serve you personally. So the main function of a registered agent is to receive service of process for the LLC. Um, keep note of your continuing obligations with your LLC. Make sure you're doing all your filings, filing your tax returns, whatnot. Don't keep, don't commingle your funds, which I already said, and keep copies of all amendments, motions, anything relating to the LLC together in a single book where you always can locate what has gone on with your LLC. Now, I mentioned a little bit about series LLCs while ago. A series LLC is one master entity with multiple buckets, let's say. You set up a series LLC just like you do an LLC. You file for articles of organization with the Secretary of State, but you specifically have to mention that it is a series LLC and have some special language in your articles that clarify that it is a series LLC. If you do it correctly, then the assets that you hold in each series are insulated from the liabilities of the other series. And I'm gonna go, I have a diagram on that here shortly. So each series holds title, can create its own contracts. Each series can be sued separately. You can have multiple membership interests in a series, in a overall series LLC, multiple voting rights, multiple distributions. And what I mean by that is when we file the series LLC at the Secretary of State and we create a company agreement, we say we, you want to include anyone in that filing that would be doing any business with any properties within that, within that overall series. What I'm saying is so series one, let's say I put myself, my daughter Gwyneth, and um, my husband, we're all members of the series LLC. Then when I said I buy a property and I set up a particular series underneath that entity, I can choose whether my daughter is going to be involved in it or my husband's going to be involved in it. So series one could just be me owning the property. Series two could be me and my daughter. Series three could be all three of us. It gives you the ability to uh, deal with different people but the thing is when you set up the series you have to include them as members in the overall series um, it's very easy to self-manage the creation of a series so you're only going to go to the secretary of state one time and that's to file the overall series whenever you're ready to create your sub-series you can create that. It doesn't get filed. You don't have to pay any additional funds to the Secretary of State. You just set up the series, set up who's going to be members, set up what the 
distribution rights are going to be, and then uh, put that in your series LLC book because banks will probably be asking for that when you go to get financing. Um, each series can have a separate business purpose, although I don't recommend it. Uh, what I'm saying is I've had people ask me, well, I have a construction company and then I'm going to invest separately. Can I just put my construction company in one series and my real estate business in another? And I do not recommend that because in my mind, the best use of a series LLC is a holding company to hold your, your real estate assets and then uh, not be an operating entity, so to speak. So if you put your construction company in the same overall series with your real estate, you're opening yourself up to uh, exposing liability to your main source of income from your real estate. I just don't recommend it. And then you can um, have all kinds of complex growth and structuring of your holdings. That would be something you would definitely want to talk to your CPA about before doing, but it can be done. So this is kind of a visual. Uh, you set up a series LLC, then you create sub-series for your individual real estate assets. So live, uh, and you can have, as you see, I've got over here member one, two, three, you can have member one and two, member one and three, and they're separate in uh, there's no liability to the other series as a result of a judgment or creditor to the first series. I do know that the series LLC in this, in the times that we're dealing with right now, as is about March, the, the uh, desire to have a series LLC set up has really skyrocketed because of that uh, liability limitation for your assets. Now there are some risks. It is untested on many levels. I mean, it's been around now for 10, at least 10, maybe 15 years here in Texas. But there hasn't been a lot of testing in the courts on what will cause you to lose your, lose your uh, limitation of liability or, you know, um, essentially, but you know, here's what I tell people about that. If you hold all your assets in one LLC, you know for sure you do not have any uh, wall protecting your other assets from each other. In a series LLC, the whole statute was set up to allow for that. And I believe you'd have to do quite a bit to lose that uh, protection. The other alternative is to just set up a separate LLC for each, each asset you have. That becomes very cumbersome not as well costly because every time you file an LLC, it's $300 plus your attorney's fees. So with a series, you're only paying $300 one time and there's no additional costs associated with that. It's very easy to commingle funds and lose the protection. You cannot transfer money between one series to the other without adequate documentation. 
that would be seen as co-mingling and you would lose the protection. What I tell a lot of my clients is, let's say you have an asset that is throwing off a lot of cash and you have another asset that needs a lot of cash for repair and whatnot. You could consider putting those two assets together in the same in the same series under the LLC. So instead of having one asset per series, you would have these two together. And then you're not commingling. You can use the, the money from the one property to benefit the other property. The other thing I say is that if you feel like you have to use some money from one of the series to the other, you have to document it. You have to treat it as a loan. There has to be a note signed, prepared and signed, that says series number one agrees to pay back series number three the amount of money that you gave for that asset. You have to be very careful or you will lose the protection. And there's very, you know, there's several states that do have series allowed under their law, but not a lot. Currently, only Delaware, Alabama, Iowa, Illinois, Nevada, Oklahoma, Indiana, Kansas, Missouri, Montana, Tennessee, Utah, Wisconsin, Texas, the District of Columbia, and the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico are the only ones that recognize series. If you have a series set up in Texas and you've got properties in any state other than those, they're not going to recognize the restrict the limitation on liability. So you have to be careful on that. California doesn't allow series LLCs to be formed, but you can set up a series like in Texas and do business in California and they will recognize it. So you have to be careful if you're doing business across multi-states. The tax consequences may change, uh, and that kind of goes along with the business margin tax threshold comes quicker. Like I said, if you have a million dollars in gross revenue uh, across your all of your series, because the, the state of Texas comptroller only recognizes you file one tax return for the overall series. You don't file separate franchise tax returns for each individual series. So if you combine all that, you have to be careful that you're not um, come falling over the, the threshold to pay tax. So you have to constantly monitor your situation in your series LLC to make sure that um, you're not doing something that's gonna cause you greater taxation. And then transferring assets from one series to another can also be seen as commingling. There has to be a business purpose to transfer. Um, I have some clients that they initially set up um, all of their assets they really didn't have much equity in. Because really, what are you protecting? You're protecting the equity in your assets, right? If you, uh, if you owe 100%, on the value, then you don't have to worry about protection. So they were putting uh, several of their no equity properties into one series. But what happens as you pay it, as the, time, the, the environment changes, the appraised value can go up and sometimes it can go up very quickly. So 
at that point, you would want to get that out of that uh, particular series and set it up on its own. Again, the main thing I would say, and this is a lawyer thing to say, document, document, document. So do's and don'ts for a series. Keep it simple. Follow the letter of the law. Keep one asset in a series, unless there's a, as I said, unless there's a business reason otherwise. And maintain separate bank accounts and rigid accounting. Now I'm gonna to talk to you about that issue because not everybody wants to have 10 series with 10 separate bank accounts. So there's a way we can deal with that. And be very clear with your naming and your title screen scheme. And don't get creative. Don't, transfer, don't do transfers that disregard market value or are not at arm's length. Do have a series that does business with the state that recognizes series LLCs. Don't do one with states that don't recognize it. And don't hide anything from your creditors, obviously. This is kind of an asset protection model that uh, I suggest. Start with a simple LLC. Transfer your first acquisitions into the LLC. Now watch out for the due on sale clause. Everybody probably knows what the due on sale clause is. What it says is if you transfer this asset on a, if you have a loan in the mortgage, in the deed of trust, it's gonna say, if you transfer your pro this property without my consent, then I have the right to call the loan and accelerate it. Now, I've been doing practicing law for 36 years. I've been doing this with investors for about 20 years. And I've only had anyone, any lender even question it five times. And that was because of other issues that were surrounding that particular transaction. But you still have to, you know, everyone needs to be aware that they, a lender does have the right to call uh, if you transfer the asset. Now, I particularly have never seen a lender call a loan from someone transferring their own property into their own wholly owned LLC. So that shouldn't be a problem. Uh, so if you, when you transfer that asset into the LLC, that protects you from any further liability, but not from the original personal guarantee for the financing. So it protects you from judgment creditors, but not your lender that you borrowed the money from. Now, as your business grows, determine how risk tolerant you are. You can either create multiple LLCs for each additional property you acquire. I don't recommend that. It's gonna get very bulky for you very fast. Or create an additional series LLC as a holding company for that asset. Okay, so the risk, the risk there is that it hasn't been tested a lot in the court, but it is being recognized more and more by lenders, by, you know, it, really everyone is uh, recognizing the uh, validity of a series LLC. Now then if you do that, you would transfer, what you would do is you would transfer your asset into a series LLC that you set up, set up individual series underneath, and that series LLC essentially becomes a holding company for your assets. The less you do, the better. Then you use that initial LLC that you set up sometime previously as a management company. So the, it manages the assets for each 
series and uh, or in multiple other LLCs. And it acts as the rental purchase financing and sales contracts are with the management company, not the original LLC. Then they have a bank account that uh, they have books that uh, shows the money, uh, how the money is handled for each individual uh, series. And they distribute the money then to the, the big LLC. Uh, again, rec uh, identifying which series it's for. So each managed entity would have a management contract with the management LLC. That gets you away from the requirement that each series have its own bank account. So I'm a little, I had someone else prepare this slide and I'm a little, it's a little busy for me, but essentially down here, you've got your LLC one. And then as you acquire more assets, you can either set up LLC one, LLC two, or you go back and establish a series and LLC one becomes the manager and the manager for each series under the series LLC. Okay. So land trusts. Land trusts used to be extremely popular when I first started my firm. Everybody wanted to have their property in a land trust. Uh, a land trust, also sometimes called a real estate land trust, transfers title to a piece of property from the owner, who's the grantor, to an appointed trustee. Uh, when you do the transfer, then the owner of the real estate becomes the trustee, not the legal owner, not the land trust. As a title closer, uh, we have, with land trusts, we have problems all the time where it was deeded directly into the land trust and not to the trustee for the benefit of the land trust. A trust cannot own, pro cannot own property. So it, if you're doing a deed to GRL land trust, it needs to be Gaylene Rogers Lonergan, trustee for the GRL land trust. Uh, then the trustee acts for the interest of the beneficiary of the trust. The beneficiary is usually the investor or the investor's LLC. Highly recommend that the beneficiary be the investor's LLC, which adds another level of protection in a land trust. So only the trustee can act on behalf of the trust, so they have to execute any documents relating to any assets on behalf of the trust. And you need to think that through real, really well because you have to have a trustee that's available to come to your closings, that's available to sign off on whatever you need signed off on. Um, so think about that before you appoint a trustee. The asset protection plans in, in land trust is you set up your LLC as a beneficiary and it, it also protects your individual assets. As I said, you have to choose, choose the right trustee. You have to name your trust pretty carefully because again, there's that nasty thing called the due on sale clause. So you can either name your trust the, the Lonergan Family Trust or you can name your trust um, GRL Trust hyphen uh, 12801 North Central Series. You can name it after the address. A land trust can be irrevocable or revocable. Uh, I, I have seen some lawyers that recommend that it always be irrevocable, 
but I don't necessarily follow that that line of reasoning. Um, revocable uh, gives you more flexibility in dealing with your trust. So things to consider. A land trust might reduce your tax liability. I'm not a tax attorney, I'm not a CPA, but you can talk to your advisor about that. It does provide anonymity because the person the person, the only person that's going to be showing up in the real property records is your trustee, so-and-so as trustee of the so-and-so trust. They don't know who the beneficiary of the trust is. It can protect you from personal liability. It's possible prevention of the due on sale clause, like I just said. It's possible protection from property liens and judgments that you, that one of you, say you have a partner that uh, the two of you own the land trust, uh, it will protect your individual assets from the partner's creditors. It might minimize the issues regarding probate. I kind of I poo-poo that because I've done probates and uh, unless the issue would be, you would want to avoid probate if you have uh, a family issue. Okay, if all of your family is all in lockstep and no problem, then probate is really pretty much a breeze. But if there's somebody that might be challenging things, then that would minimize the probate because you would have another beneficiary in line for when, when you died. In the trust, it would say who was gonna be the contingent beneficiary. And speaking of probate, I am going to be in next month in a series of webinars that I'm giving discussing probate. So, I'll, so watch for that and I'd love to see you join us on that. And then ease of transferring property. You can just transfer the beneficial interest in a trust that is 100% owner of the property. It makes it a little bit easier. Now here are the bad things, issues with financing. I don't know too many lenders that will loan money to a land trust. Hopefully some of you do, and if you do, please provide, provide us with that information um, so we can, I can look into that. And I know for a fact, title companies in Texas have mixed thoughts on these trusts. Again, if the property is not deeded in, invested in the trustee, they'll require it to be changed. They generally don't like land trusts. They don't think they're a Texas vehicle. So just be prepared for that. Okay, uh, kind of the final um, area I want to discuss was uh, protecting your assets during COVID-19. And this really is across the board. I mean, it's all over the place. So some specific considerations amid COVID is obviously those of you who are buy and hold investors and landlords know, know what you've been dealing with. Uh, local ordinance and orders uh, regarding evictions during the quarantine, they, they um, tabled them. Now I believe in Dallas County and I, you know, you have to keep up with the latest that's happening and I checked last night and I believe the latest in Dallas County is they extended to June 15th before you can have a file for a forcible entry and detainer hearing. Okay, so you can't even file until last, uh, you couldn't even file until last week. Now other counties 
have other have their own requirements and I would uh, suggest that you keep track of those but um, I believe there's going to be a lot of evictions happening over the next month or two from um, uh, tenants that are not you know they haven't been paying and they're not going to be able to catch up so that is a consideration for the landlords out there then uh, somebody asked me the other day about force majeure and i was like why are you why are you worrying about force majeure but force majeure is essentially a clause that's in a lot of commercial leases and contracts and is in some residential that essentially forgives performance either by the landlord or the tenant uh as a result of something that is happens as an uh, as a result of an act of god or something beyond the 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 individual's uh control so a lot of uh people are deem a lot of tenants particularly are deeming uh force majeure um that they're trying to enforce force majeure as far as having to pay rent now, so far, there's been a lot of pushback on that, um, but particularly by the insurance companies, which takes me into the next one is uh, the insurance company's response to business interruption insurance claims and other insurance issues. The, biz the uh, insurance companies say, oh no, a pandemic is not uh, qualified under the provisions of a force majeure provision. But I'll tell you what, I guarantee you as of today, every new lease, every new contract that is done will specifically mention a global, a pandemic or a business quarantine uh, as a force issue that qualifies them in force majeure. Now, you guys already know all this, your strategies for keeping your rentals. Uh, keeping rent coming from your tenants during the pandemic. I mean, that. that I don't need to tell you how to do that. Um, you know, work with your tenants. If they're good tenants, work with them. Um, and just keep an eye on what's going on with your tenants. Um, one thing that I did uh, do suggest is encourage your tenants to apply uh, with the city of Dallas for relief. The city of Dallas has a program that uh, will help with mortgage and lease obligations. They will actually, the, the, the city of Dallas will actually pay the mortgage and the lease obligations. So I would encourage them to apply for that or maybe apply for that for them uh, if possible. Um, foreclosures, are they or aren't they? This is kind of a big issue right now. There was supposedly uh, a moratorium on foreclosures. And as you all probably know, if you go onto the Dallas County website that deals with foreclosures, there's a big red statement across there that says uh, all foreclosures are stopped for the, you know, as of for the for current month. Well, a guy that owned a $9 million house um, and was in default found out differently. He had a he had a private mortgage 
and he went, you know, he, I guess he and his lawyer, I don't know, went on to the Dallas County website and they said there were no foreclosures. And he just took that to be the word. And guess what? His lender went down to the steps at Dallas County. There was no one there. They were not allowed at that time. Business, the shutdown was, in, was going on and they foreclosed for about half the value of what his house was worth. Um, he, he's suing the landlord because of that right now, but I'm just giving you a word of caution. Do not assume that there are no foreclosures going on. They are. Now there is still a, a government um, order that, that says there, if the uh, mortgage is insured by a government source, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, VA, then there is still a moratorium on foreclosures. But that's not the majority, I don't believe that's not the majority of mortgages out there. There's a lot of just conventional mortgages that are not part of that uh, group I just mentioned. There's a lot of private mortgages. There's a lot of investor hard money lenders uh, loans, and those are not stopped in any way. So don't just take uh, what the website on Dallas County says for, for good. And then what's the situation in the office and industrial market? Um, you know, it's, it's pretty much the same thing. Um, there's no, but there's no protection from eviction for a commercial tenant. Uh, only residential and there's force majeure in all of those leases and so there's going to be litigation and argument about that for some time now and you know if look just looking at what's happened there are going to be a lot of tenants that are going to be trying to get out of their leases because they've discovered particularly in office because they've discovered that their employees can work from home and figured out a way to make that work. And so they're gonna to want to scale down their uh, leasable space. And so that's gonna be going on for quite some time. And then the CARES Act, you know, there's a lot of implications for investors and real estate businesses as a result of the CARES Act that was passed a couple of months ago. Um, firstly, it, they opened up the ability to use your 401k without penalty. Up to 100,000, you can not just get a loan, you can pull it out completely uh, with no penalty and uh, no, no interest, no tax, well, I'm gonna refer this to the tax lawyers, but what I understood was that their taxes would not, they won't immediately pull the taxes out like they used to. Um, there's also a thing called a solo 401k that I'm going to look more into, but essentially it gives you the ability to, if, if you're, if you're like a lot of investors, you don't have employees, just you or you and your wife, then you can, um, in, put, um, the maximum amount in there and take it right back out with no tax consequences. Um, let's see. I guess that those are the those are the big points. Uh, of course, the PPP 
Uh, hopefully some of you or a lot of you are able to take advantage of the PPP loans. I know I did. And now the issue is pay, uh, either paying them back or getting forgiveness. And actually, I'm going to be talking about that in one of my upcoming uh, webinars next month, too, about what you have to do to obtain that forgiveness, which everyone wants to do. All right, so I, let's see. I think that's uh, really the end of my presentation. Um, in the meantime, I'm just going to tell you real quick, to those of you that are new to Real Estate IQ, uh, there we go. <clears throat> um, so we're about giving investors the leads and tools they need to find and analyze your real estate investment deals. So we have our deal analysis suite, which starts at only $15 a month. We've got a couple calculators here for repair, estimating, deal analyzing. Um, and then we've got our fast CMA, which is automated comps. So we give you access to the data from the MLS and make it super quick and easy to run your own comps. So you don't have to wait for a real estate agent to get back to you with that. And then we have our deal finding suite, which includes everything that was in the deal analysis suite, uh, plus these things. So we have off-market leads, which are updated daily, directly from the courthouses. And we have these 10 different lists of motivated and distressed sellers that you can contact to market for deals. So for pre-foreclosures, for example, we currently have the list from April all the way through September available uh, because those auctions didn't happen. We're waiting to see what's going to happen um, with those filings and those properties. So these ones that have asterisks by them are part of our premium deal finding suite, which means they come to you with the skip tracing already done. So they've got email addresses and phone numbers for those leads there when you get them every day. And we have our county data finder where you can create your own list to market to, pulling any property from the tax records. So you can search for over 65 in most places, out-of-state owners, absentee owners, you can make sure they have equity, you can search for multifamily, whatever it is that you're looking for. And then our MLS deal finder lets you set your criteria, your price range, your discount percentage, your area, and then whenever a new property gets listed on the market that meets your criteria, you're going to get an email about that right away. So if you wanna learn more and you didn't say yes to our 45 minute one-on-one -on -one deal finding training earlier, you can just say in the chat demo please and uh, somebody will contact you that way. We also have very good customer service. Okay, so remember when Steve was talking about that deal of the day in the video? Right now is your chance to answer the poll question and you can sign up for one of our heat maps that kind of tell you about where the deals are um, or our deal of the day, which is that live MLS deal that you can make an offer on or use it to learn more about what's going on in your market area. Also, we're really excited about our new community portal. So this is gonna be a Facebook thing just for investors. So go to realestateiq.co and click on community. And then we have a regular feed and we also have all of these groups that you can join. So I've got women in real estate. So if that applies to you, please join my group there. Um, and then there's, whoops, 
also groups about your metro area, whatever kind of things you're interested in, there are groups for it. And I believe Gaylene will have a group. She, I don't think it's set up yet, but um, she will be having a group on here pretty soon. So there's her contact information again. Thank you all for joining and uh, feel free to contact Gaylene or Real Estate IQ with any questions. Yes, so, I want to thank everybody again. Have a great rest of your day. For webinar schedules, follow us at our official social media accounts or visit us at www.realestateiq.co.